0: Last week we started a brand new series called Comfort and Joy. Ever say comfort and say joy? So last week we talked about. You guessed it, comfort. It was week one, so we talked about comfort and the idea of what godly comfort really is. And I I would highly encourage you, if you have not checked it out or you were not here last week, go to our website, YouTube, or uh, where it's on Spotify. It's all over the place. In fact, you can find our our, our notes everywhere. But I would go back check it out. I would bet to say you probably have not thought of godly comfort the way that I taught it last week. And uh, how many y'all here last week? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay, so y'all like you probably want to go back and look because there's something unique that you might have for this holiday season. I hope it can be helpful to you. But today we're going to talk. About godly joy, godly joy. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna read the most famous Christmas scriptures today, and hopefully, we're gonna kind of reread a little bit differently and uh, kind of get us in. We're gonna be Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 8. Before I do that, some context I don't know if y'all know the preamble or the prequel to the story of Jesus being born. Um, But an angel comes to uh, Elizabeth first. I don't know if you all know that, but she comes to Elizabeth first talking about John the Baptist. So he's going to be born to Elizabeth. And and then the Bible says the angel comes to, you guessed it, Mary. And Mary gets uh, gets a visit from the angel Gabriel. And he tells her, hey, you're going to have a a son, and he's going to be the Savior of the universe. And and it's going to be amazing. And Mary's like, well, I don't know how that's going to happen because I'm a virgin. But okay. Okay. and then um, and then the, the story goes on to say that that, the, um, that that they wanted to take a census in the area so they, they make Mary and Joseph who Mary is now pregnant travel back to their hometown and get a census taken. It's the first one that's ever happened. And we kind of pick it up in verse 8. And again, you've, you've, you've seen this before, so we're going to read it, but hopefully we'll read it a little bit differently today. In verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out on the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause, here's our word for today. Come on, we're teaching about it. it will cause great joy. would say great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on the earth. Peace to those who his favor rests. And when the angels had left them, gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. See this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby was lying in a manger. Verse 17. says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But many, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying praising God for all the things he had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is the joy fix the joy fix let's pray father we love you lord so grateful so honored to preach your word yet again lord i pray that we don't take this for granted that we can meet together in a free country we can meet together in a great house we can meet together with people who love us and love you and That, God, this can be so not about me today. I pray that you would get me out of the way. Lord, let there be a a sweet peace that rests on us, and we would learn what godly joy really looks like. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 I saw a picture recently um, that kind of signifies this this season when it comes to thinking about this story in Luke chapter two. Um, and and it's the, the, the nativity scene. It's a like classic nativity scene. Y'all have, have, y'all seen these classic nativity scenes. I'll show you a, a picture of it. And, and it was this, it was this scene. And I was, I was looking at it because, you know, I'm a pastor. And so I always think, you know, anytime you talk about biblical ideas or biblical thoughts, I'm like, I always try to think about what the culture of our world shows, what the Bible says, you know, and often it's, it's close but it's not completely right how many of y'all know that right and and I was thinking about this because when I look at this or maybe you guys even might have some nativity how many of y'all grew up with like a nativity scene in your house right little little figurines and little sets and I remember thinking like this picture makes me feel peace and happiness and kindness I mean look at the baby he's not even mad he's he's chilling and like mom looks like she never had no baby right like dad looks happy there's a Kid, random kid there. There's sheep, and then there's these kings that brought them stuff, and and you're like, and you of course the star, and you got a palm tree. I'm like, there's palm trees in the Middle East? That's crazy. And then you got some, st- and then there's just there's birds looking. And I was looking at this, and I'm like, this is all oh, oh. I made me think oh right? Like that's what y'all, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, tidings of great joy. I was thinking about that, but then I remember realizing like the context of the story is not so peaceful. So I want you to think about this. If you're a, let's just say you're a lady in here. Ladies, can I get some, make some noise if you're a lady up in here. Okay. Here's what I find fascinating about this story. The story of Jesus' birth was a woman who is pregnant, who is a virgin who is pregnant, has to travel, what most scholars would believe, about 75 miles just to get to where they were going to get to, which took about five or six days. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been married, I've been married, I am married, I'm married, I have, have, my wife has been pregnant, and I remember what it was like to move her from the one side of the bed to the other, rather than 75 miles with no air conditioning and no car and no, come on, y'all, I need y'all to think back to when, when you were pregnant and thinking about the, what it would have been like to travel on a donkey or a horse or in a car. Who knows how she got there, but like, it would have been pretty rough. Lady, can I get an amen? Like, it would not have been, like, the most comfortable thing for him to go. And if it ain't comfortable for the lady, it ain't comfortable for nobody, right? And so it would have not have been peaceful. It would, they would, and then not only did they get there, they get to a place where there was no actual place for them to stay. And most scholars and people would believe that when you got to there, there was like they say there's no room at the inn. But there, the, 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 the Greek word for that would have been more close to like they didn't have a family. They would have went to a family member's home is culturally what they would have probably been. But because the census was being taken, the family members' home would have probably been full, so they wouldn't have had any space for the. which would have begged you to think, like, if there's a pregnant woman that shows up, you probably need to give up your bed, but they didn't do that. And so they wound up ending up in some type of either guest quarters or or this kind of what most scholars believe would have been like a lamb nursery. And they have she has the baby in a lamb nursery. I want, I'm just painting the picture of what we think we, we see in terms of peaceful and joyful and everybody's happy and the baby is sweet, 8.9 pound baby, sweet little tiny baby Jesus comes out. And then they put him in a feeding trough, which is really the, another word for a manger. and And, oh yeah, by the way, the culture of the time, the government of the time, the king of the time was killing babies that were Jesus' age. I just want you to imagine that kind of world where we talk about and we think about... Because what I see, what I think about when it comes to the Christmas season is so much like that. Like, I remember feeling like that last year when we were having um, our Christmas. We had a uh, We had a great Christmas season. And I was thinking about, like, leading up to, like, my Christmas day for our family. Christmas is a big deal for our family. We love Thanksgiving, but... But we really, really love Christmas. And I remember thinking about, I wanted to buy my wife the special gift. Come on, guys. Are you all thinking about that right now? If you're not thinking about that, you should start thinking about that right now. You got two weeks to go. And and I know I just added a little more pressure to you, but she's thinking about you, thinking about her having a good gift. And so... So I thought about buying my wife this perfect gift. I know we all have like the gift, but my wife had been, since I met her, she'd been wanting this particular bag. Ladies, y'all have a bag that y'all want. And there's this particular bag from this particular company. And I don't want to tell you what it is because you'd probably judge me if I told you what it was. And so and so we, I'm saving my money for years. Everybody say years. For years I saved my money for this bag to get my wife that she'd been wanting forever. And so I get this bag. My wife, my sister comes in from out of town, and we go, we go shopping recently. This is last year. We go shopping at La Quintera, and I go into the store and I buy the bag and it's in secret. My wife, my sister has this idea to put the bag inside of a giant TV bag. Like you all know those like TV bags where like if you're buying a TV, they have giant, gigantic gift bags. So she buys this gift bag, I put it in the bag, I zip tie the top so my wife can't get into it it. And then I get home, and I drag it in, and my wife goes, what is that? And I said, oh, don't worry about it. It's actually for the kids. Remember, we wanted to buy them a Lego set that was a big Lego set, so we'll do this, like, big Lego set for the kids. And so I made up, like, a non-truth during Christmas. It's okay. It's Christmas. Jesus knows. And so I'm like, okay. And so, like, a non-truth. I say, hey, here's a deal. I'm going to give you this bag. And so it's for the kids. She goes, oh, that sounds good. So I put it under the tree, and nobody... Knows the wiser. The next day, my kids wake up and they see the bag under the tree. They run over to it. They're dad, who whose bag is this? And I continue the non-truth with my kids and I say, son, here's what? When Christmas comes, you guys have all your individual presents, but this is a one giant, big, total, perfect present for all of you guys. It's a group present for you. It's gonna be the big present, and you're gonna love it. And they're like, oh man. So they're thinking about it for the next three weeks. So we get to Christmas morning. And we're excited, and we're—it's everybody's doing. I don't know if you know this, but when kids know there's a big present coming, all the other presents don't matter. You all know that, right? So they opened up presents like this. Is the big present ready? And I'm like, can we pray? You know, can we pay attention? And you know, we're trying to make it nice, and we're celebrating, but they can't get past the idea of the present. All right, big present time! So they're all freaking out and real excited and scared and excited, and they're kind of they put them in the middle, and we get them all around the presents, and so we get all the cameras. Out. Now I'm from the, I'm in the back because I know what's gonna happen because I'm gonna celebrate and surprise my wife so I'm in the back and I'm watch I'm videotaping and I kind of got them but I got my wife in the corner because I wanted to see her surprise and I go one we're gonna count to three ready one two three they open it up they start tearing it open and they get it to the end and then they open it up and then they look and they're confused and I go oh wait a minute that's not for you. That's for my wife. And my wife, I look over my wife, and she knows the color of the bag from the company. And so she knows the color of the bag, and she's off in the corner, and her response is this. <laughs> right, ladies? Y'all have your response when your guy gets you something really good? She's like, she throws her phone she runs over I mean she grabs the bag she's holding it up she's jumping up and down everybody's excited everybody's happy the sky has opened up there's no clouds every Jesus is in the middle of it she's like I love you forever God is with me Jesus can do anything nothing is impossible and I look at my kids and what I didn't realize was my non-truth affected them in such a I brought a picture. Y'all wanna see a picture? This is legitimately the picture of what my kids look like. And and so like this is the this is not a staged picture. I snapped a picture of their response to the moment. So like he's given up on life. Titus, he's like, I've had enough of this family. I want out. And Winston is like, why would you hurt my feelings? They, to this day, bring up the Christmas gift incident. Like, regularly. Hey, Dad, do you remember when you were terrible? And you made Christmas awful? Like, Christmas is for nothing. Like, you're terrible. Now, I don't know about you, but Christmas does not seem to turn out the way I think it turns out a lot. That is like a microcosm of the Christmas season for me and I know for, for many of us. Like, it's not what we think it is, right? Can we just be honest? Like, it's just not. Like, I get it. I know we're supposed to. I know Christmas. Jesus is the reason for the season. I get it. But the nature of Christmas is pretty unjoyful for many of us. And this year, it might be like that for you. This year, this might be the first time that a loved one is not with you. This this year, you might be in a new family. You might be having to share. Come on, right? You just got married, and maybe you're having to share with this new family or... Or maybe this year you're not in the same financial position that you were last year. Come on, somebody. Hello, inflation. Like, you, this year you might have to deal with not just a negative person, but a negative, doc, like, doctor report. How many of y'all struggling with some some health issues right now? This year you might be single again. Hello. This year you... you you might have to deal with a messy divorce. This year, you might have to deal with a split family. This year, you might have lost a job. Like, I'm just saying, Christmas for a lot of us, man, doesn't it highlight what's wrong in our lives a lot? And I think that as a pastor, most of the things that I want to share with you would have to do with more Connecting you to what could give you real joy. And maybe not re- replace or maybe you ignore some of the things you have to deal with this year, but maybe give you a little fix. Maybe give you a little something to think about. Maybe give you an idea to work. You know what I'm saying? This Christmas season, because if I know for me, if I, if I run into an issue or I run into a feeling, sometimes just having something to work, right? Something... to to lean in on, might help me get through to the joy I think God wants you to have this Christmas season, in spite of those issues that you might have. So I'm going to give you today, here's how today's going to work. It's going to be good, okay? I don't normally do this. This is a little unique, a little different. I'm going to have a lot of points today, okay? So you're going to want my notes. That's why we gave you the card. If you don't have my notes, take notes, I would write them down anyway, because what I want you to be able to do this holiday season, okay? I want you to do this. I want you to take our sermon today, and I want you to kind of maybe even put them up on your fridge or put it, screenshot it on your phone. That way, when something like the Christmas present incident happens in your life, and you end up looking like one of my kids, you know what to work These are godly joy fixes, I guess you could say. Godly joy fixes. I'm going to give you five of them today. Number one, five fixes for great joy. Five fixes for great joy to do this holiday season. Number one, prioritize God's approval over others. Like, I I get it. Because some of y'all in here, your life is a reflection of you in so much that if somebody sees a negative thing on your life, you think it's a negative thing off of you and you don't get approved by them, which means you're not approved in general. And and nothing robs our happiness and our joy more than being criticized or being looked down upon or like having others work against you. Come on, right? Like nothing makes you lose your joy more than to you do your best and someone in comes in and criticizes it. Hello, ladies, Who you did your house, and mother-in-law comes over and says, that's not the way I would have put the tree up. And some of us in the holiday season, I've talked to you. Your stress has not come from a health issue or a financial issue. It's a relational issue, and you're worried about the people that are coming to your house pretty soon that you've avoided all year long. And you are forced into relational connection, and they're going to walk in, and you already know what they're going to say, right? Like, you know it. You know what they're going to say. They're going to walk in. Mama's going to walk in. Dad's going to walk in. Cousin's going to walk in. Uncle, who's barely in the family, going to walk in and say something to you about your food, your decorations, your tree, your presents, your hair, your jam-jams, your whatever it is, right? And it's going to steal your, your joy. But the opposite is just as true. Nothing gives you joy more than a settled soul in who you are and whose you are. Paul had this issue. Paul was a great apostle who he wrote two-thirds of what we call the New Testament. Planted church is really what an apostle is. So Paul is writing this letter in Philippians in a prison. Okay? prison like an actual jail he's in there and he starts his letter talking about his happiness but he doesn't talk about it in a way that you and I might think about like well God is in my heart so I'm so happy that's not what he says he actually describes all of the relational tension that he has on non-approval from other people It's, it's amazing to me I'll read it for you Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 he says, of course, some of them preach Christ because they're jealous and quarrelsome. It's like they want to start fights. They're jealous of what we be doing. But others are from genuine goodwill. Those do so from love because they know that God has given me the work of defending the gospel. I like how he describes these people, the, the, the negative people. Verse 17, the others, everybody say the others. You have others in your life. These are the people you you wish you had their approval, you never get it, and it always bothers you. The others do not proclaim Christ sincerely, but from a spirit of selfish ambition, that they think that they will make more trouble for me while I'm in prison. So Paul knew, he knew, he knew he couldn't make everyone happy. Then he goes on to say in verse 18, but it doesn't matter. I'm happy about it. There it is. It's joy. Just so Christ is preaching every way possible, whether from wrong or right motives. I will continue to be happy. You need to know this. You will not make everyone happy this holiday season. This is a big deal for many of us. Because right now, you're doing everything you can for those who you don't even like to impress the people that you don't much care about just so that you can get their approval. And I'm telling you, you're not going to get it. You have to settle that in your soul. You're not gonna make everybody happy. Just so you know, Christians by nature are countercultural and weird. Like you're weird. I'm weird, we're weird, I'm Christian. I can say it, we're weird. We peculiar. The Bible tells you that you are peculiar. Like you're not supposed to fit in. You're not supposed to be like. In fact, the moment you're liked by everybody, Just so so you know, there might be something wrong. But even then, there's going to be somebody who don't like you. and Struggle with, like, approval. And I'm telling you, this is like a a preach to me because I like to be liked. Like, I like it. uh, I love it when you walk up and you say something like, how's a good message, Pastor? I don't so much like it when somebody comes up and says, I've heard better. I mean, I had to come here today. It's my cousin's church, but honestly, my pastor's really, really great. You were, a, eh, eh, right? And I got to remember, Paul said by definition, we're we're not going to be liked by everybody. So you got to settle in your soul who you are and whose you are. Like I'm a man of God. I'm a. I my focus is is on the approval of God and not a a man. Now will do. I will say this: you can take it too far right? Because you all met those weird Christian people who are like really odd, and all they do is care about God's approval, and they don't comb their hair or brush their teeth and look kind of weird, right? Like, let's not be weird, okay, in terms of like that way, but I do think that there's a balance where you can find yourself too much into the world's approval and the friend's approval and your mama's approval and your family's approval. Just so you know, God's approval, the more settled soul you are, the more joy you'll have this holiday season. So I'm going to focus prioritizing God's approval over others. So the fix, the fix is I'm going to identify one area. Here's what you can do. Identify the one area you desire man's approval and prioritize God's approval in it. Prioritize God's approval in it. Number two, commit to serve others. Commit to serve others. This could be one of your joy fixes this year. Commit to serving others. I know that Christmas, by nature, what it does is it makes us feel inward focused. You're thinking about what gift you're going to give someone else so that you can get a gift from someone else. You're thinking about what you're going to receive. You're thinking about how I can get better. And I'm telling you, there's nothing that will rob your joy more than thinking about only fulfilling your needs this holiday season. Because I know some of us go the other way. We swing completely the other way. And you only do things because they make you feel good like you're your mom or your dad and you only do you you completely abandon fun things for your kids because they stress you out. Hey, guess what? What if it's not about you this holiday season? What if you go do and you go play a video game with your kid? What if you go show your kid a lighting display? You're like, "I hate lighting It's Good for you. It's not about you." Well, like my kid really wants to go over to like SeaWorld and see the lights, but man, I can't handle those crowds. Well, good for you. It's not about you. Your greatest joy, God wired you so that your true joy can't come from fulfilling your needs. Like, we think of that way, right? We think, I'm not joyful, so therefore I'm going to do something to me to make myself feel joyful. What you'll find is is it creates the whole bigger in your life. What you find from really joyful people is when they get their minds off of them all the time. They learn not to serve themselves. They learn to serve others. God designed you to be the happiest version of yourself when you're giving your life away. Why? Because God created you to be like him. John 3, 16, the most famous verse in all the world. You don't have to be a Christian to know that verse. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he what? He He gave. How did you know that? How did you know that? So so God loved you so much that he gave. God, by nature, is a giver. He's a server. He gives of himself. I love that even in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, it says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Real joy will come from us learning how to give more of ourselves away, not less. You live in an upside-down kingdom, by the way. The first will be last. To gain your life, you got to give it away. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Christianity makes no sense to people because it's always A plus B equals C in the scientific world, but for God and the world of faith, He's always about the less, the least of these hey, I'm going to come and be a servant. I'm not going to come to be served. My kingdom is that the the people who are the highest, who have all the authority, who have all the power, are to live their lives, to give all that power away to those who don't have it, which is the opposite of culture. And if you want real joy, I'm telling you, you're going to have to find a way to give more and more of yourself away. And you could do that in so many ways. You can go serve at a at a nonprofit, at a soup kitchen, you can go serve somebody. At a, go go find a friend who needs some help. You can find a single mom who can't go shopping and go shopping for her. You can go serve somebody on the uh, on the sidewalk who needs some help. You can go serve at a local place. You can do. You can serve at your church. Yeah. 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 Dramatic pause. <laughs> like I'll wait. Come on, y'all. This is, this is a PSA for those of you who have been coming to our church for a long period of time and have not ever served yet. Here, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. Because, like, I know you want me to move to the next point. Because you're like, no, stop. I like coming and sitting and doing nothing. No, you don't. You're not happy like you think you can be happy. If you serve in this church, ju- raise your hand. If you serve in this church, you're on our official team. Come on. Raise it like you got deodorant on, like you're happy. Okay. So I'm talking to you. Is it or is it not better? Did church not come alive? Did you not get more joy? Is it not more fun? Do you not wake up going wanting to go to church earlier? Do you not have joy in your heart more when you started serving? Oh, wait. So, okay, so I don't pay any of those people money. It is volunteering. So, so they have no vested interest in being positive about it. You don't need to pray about it. I have already prayed. Sought the Lord. I fasted. And you know what he told me? You should serve. Shameless plug. I'm going to put a next steps slide. Do we have a next steps slide? D- there it is. So in January, you have from now until January 28th to get the courage to sign up for our next steps class so that you can serve in church. Why? Because we need people? No. The church doesn't need you. Is that okay? God doesn't need you. Last time I checked, he, he, he don't need nothing. By definition, he needs nothing. He's God. I work for him, so I've never worried about people serving in the church. You need to worry about it for you. So if you want church to come alive and you want some real joy, I'd be the first person to be signing up on that thing so you can serve others. Number three, number three, number three. got to be content with what we have. Now I'm going to read you a verse, and and this is a famous verse, but I'm going to read it to you because I'm confused by this verse. So 1 Timothy chapter 6 Verse 6, but godliness with contentment, everybody say contentment, is great gain. Now, I've struggled with this. I've struggled with it. I'm like, what's contentment, really? Is that like being settled? Like, just not not worrying about having more? Like, how does, like, tell me what that means, God. Like, I don't understand. And then I read in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. This is great. The writer of Ecclesiastes, he says, if God gives us wealth and prosperity and lets us enjoy them, I love this, we should be grateful. Everybody say Grateful. And enjoy what we work for. I like that. He said, grateful and enjoy what we work for. It's a gift from God. So for those of you who are anti-prosperity, just so you know, God wants you to be prosperous. The prosperity gospel perverted it, but it didn't make it wrong. Because like when I say prosperity gospel, you immediately put me in a three-piece suit praying over my hanky, sending it to you, anointed, after you gave me $1,000, right? Can I Just tell the truth, shame the devil, right? Can we just talk about it? Let's just talk about it. Let's get it out. Let's get it out. I know what you're thinking. Pastor talking about getting a boat again. I ain't got no boat. I will gladly use your boat. Let me know when I can use it. Someone took the word of God and perverted it, made it what it wasn't, but it didn't make the value and the principle wrong. God wants you blessed. Period. I didn't say rich. I didn't say extravagantly wealthy where you walk around and flaunt it to everyone. I didn't say you had more than everyone all the time. Remember the upside-down kingdom. If you're given more, the expectation in God's kingdom is for you to give away more. And if he gives it to you, you know what contentment really looks like? Being grateful and enjoying it. The two ditches is to be ungrateful. To expect it to be like, well, sure, God, I worked hard. You should give me this. What if you didn't wake up tomorrow? No, I'm grateful I got up today so that I can use the gifts that you did give me so that I can maximize my opportunity so that when I, when given an opportunity to create wealth, I know what I can do with it. Not just put it in my pocket, but I can actually bless others with it and yet enjoy something. The opposite ditch, right, the other ditch would be to despise it, to never enjoy it. I know people who God's blessed, and they live in poverty, and they're millionaires. Well, How could that be possible? Isn't poverty a financial level? No, it's not. It's a spirit. Because you can have all the money in the world and never feel like you can let it go because you think that's the last dime you'll ever get. And so God says, you gotta be content. You gotta be content with what you. You gotta learn to be grateful, and you gotta learn to man enjoy it a little bit. This is for those of you crazy like cereal savers, you know. And like y'all have like a like in a marriage. isn't Isn't that true in a marriage? There's the saver and there's the spender. I'm in the marriage where we both spenders. But if you're the saver, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're the saver. You just keep it. Come on. It's okay. It's not right or wrong. It's just who you are. It's just who I am. Come on. Like, believe it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you're the spender and you on my team, raise your hand. Come on, somebody. you just waiting for Nordstrom to just open the doors. Just open the doors. I've done that multiple times. So I'm like, I'm ready. I got my wallet. I want to give you my money. Open the door. If you're a a saver by nature, just remember, God gave it to you to enjoy it. Not just for you, but, man, enjoy it. Spend some money. Buy a gift this year. I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm talking to somebody right now. "You, You have put your family in prison. You're saving prison. And is it good to save money so you have some for later? Yes, that's biblical. By the way, I shouldn't even get into this. Can I talk to you about your money for just a second? Okay. So the Bible actually talks about three different types of offerings, not one. You don't want to hear this. Because we only talk to you about one. And you would be like, I ain't even doing that. So I'm not asking you to do this. But, but the Bible talks about you should give an offering to yourself. But it was a percentage. So like, you know, like our family, we start with 10% goes to God right away. But then we do 10% to ourselves. Should we save it away. It's not 100% to ourselves forever for another day. Some of y'all live in the 80% goes to the bank and never, we never touch it. So we have money left. And you're living in squalor and you make your family not enjoy life. When everybody else is going to the Christmas light show, you don't do it because you got to save $5 and there ain't no coupon. Come on, somebody. That's a spirit. You break that up off of you. And I didn't grow up with nothing. So I have that spirit too. And when you grow up with nothing, you think that the thing that you get in your hand will never be, you'll never have another thing. But isn't it funny how um, when you thought that, you got another thing? Because your job's not your source. Because your savings account's not your source. Because your 401k's not your source. Who's your source? God's my source. So if God's my source, I can be content. Number four, and I'm done. I'm almost done. I'm done, but I'm almost done. That's the pastor way of saying it. Just give me a second. Number four, obey God's ways of doing things. John 15 says, I've loved you even as Father has loved me. This is Jesus talking. He says, When you obey my commandments, you you remain in my love just as my father, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. Love I love this. He says, I have told you these things so that, why? I want you to obey, why? So I can be mean. I want you to obey so that you can feel like you can't do anything ever. He says, I want you to obey so that you'll be filled with my joy. Oh, yeah, your joy will overflow. If you want some joy this holiday season, some of y'all need to stop. Um, doing it your way and doing it God's way. Can I just say it like that? Like, can I just also, like, here's what's funny. Let me just talk to the new Christians slash old Christians who y'all think you've been saved since Moses and you got this figured out. Um, You cannot pick, you can't say you're a Christian and follower of Jesus and pick and choose which Bible verses you're going to obey. Okay. This is a complete book. It has all the verses of life and what we love to do i do this i scribble out verses in my bible and i'm like i don't like that one anybody anyway like oh, nah, 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 nah. and and the funny thing about the holy spirit is that he um, he always says well you can scribble it out and don't make it not in the bible yeah. you can't pick and choose and don't tell me you don't do that I'm talking about some holy people be like we don't do that we always do everything in the bible No, you don't and you don't agree with everything in the bible oh, yes, I do. No, I I really, I really. No, you don't. Wait until your wife is chewing you out for something you didn't do. And then you go to yourself in that moment and talk about, oh, I really want to love my wife as Christ loved the church. (laughs) No, you don't. No, you don't. Wait until your husband accuses you of something, talks about your mama, and you really feel like respecting him. No, you don't. But we do it anyway because we obey. I serve, great, great statement to put in your heart for King Jesus. I serve at the pleasure of the king. If God said it, it's a little old school. Can y'all handle this? It's a little old school. It's how I grew up. This is my pastor. If God said it, that settles it. I know you're really great with your ideas. But most of, can I just say this? A lot of the people's despair that I talk to, especially in the holiday season, doesn't come from um, outside forces. It comes from inside sabotage. You sinning has caused you to be stressed out. Like your sinfulness, your sinful nature. It's like you cussed out your wife. That's probably a sin somewhere in the Bible. And that brought about a consequence. Do you know why? By the way, do you know why God doesn't want you to sin? It's not because He doesn't want you to have fun. By the way, there's a fun element of sin. Have you all noticed that? That's, if it wasn't fun, you wouldn't do it. Let's not. Let's make that clear. It's not that sin's not fun. It's just that it comes with really bad consequences. And that it might start out. It's like I always. Sin's like a, a a terrible movie with a great trailer. Y'all ever, y'all ever been, to, has anybody done that recently? You watch a trailer, like, that looks amazing. And you get into the movie, and you're like, what in God's name am I here for? And you want to get up and get out of it. That's really what sin is. It leaves lasting consequence that hurts you, and that's why God hates it. That's why God hates it, because it winds up hurting you. And so at the end of the day, like, man, if you want some joy in your life, learn to obey God's commands. Last one is this and I'm done. You can come play the pretty music. Number five, you live an open-handed life. Live an open-handed life. Acts 20 verse 35, it says there's more happiness in giving. Everybody say giving than in receiving. A great model of generosity in, uh, in, in a church is actually in Paul. Paul was addressing this in 2 Corinthians. is the Macedonian church that Paul started and he writes about a great perspective on money. If you checked out, check back in because this is really the point I wanted to get to for most of us in this holiday season. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 it says we want to know we want you to know that God's grace is accomplished in the churches in Macedonia. So he's talking about this church that's doing it. Here's what God's grace has accomplished. He says they have been severely tested by the troubles they went through. So life's not going good. Are y'all hearing me? He's setting the context. Things are bad. Things are terrible. Their their mother-in-law showed up a week early for Christmas dinner. Uh, the, we don't have enough money to buy gifts. The health is wrong in everybody's life. The the, the church is not doing good. I've been offended by somebody on social media. Their life is not, my kids aren't listening. Everything's happening. I'm fighting with my wife and my husband. Like, come on, th- things are not good. He said they've been severely tested. But, I like this, but their joy was so great that they were extremely generous in their giving, even though they are, this is so important, he not just says that they are, tested, and they're doing bad. He says, they are poor. They don't even have it to give it. And yet, they were extremely generous in their giving. Here's the Paul, here's the lie Paul is addressing, that when I have more, I will give and be happy. That's a lie. It's a lie. I hear, the most common statement I hear as a pastor is people will come up to me and say, I promise you, pastor, I'm going to give when I have and just fill the blank. Just fill the blank. Your blank is different than someone else's blank. When I have a little bit more, when I have, when I make fifty thousand dollars a year, I'll start tithing. When I make sixty thousand dollars a year, I'll start giving. When I make a hundred thousand dollars a year, I'll have enough money and then I'll start giving. If you can't tithe off of forty thousand dollars a year, you can't tithe off of a hundred thousand dollars a year. It doesn't get easier as you get more money. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And for those of you who are blessed financially, hello. Y'all know that to be true. The truth is, joy comes from being generous in all circumstances. That's what the church of Macedonia said. I want to be generous. I'm going to live my life open-handed. I'm going to live my life open-handed. And for a lot of us, we're waiting to be blessed financially so that I can give to have the joy. The Macedonian church says, no, I'm going to give, whether I got it or not, extreme generosity, extreme giving, so that, why? So that my joy cometh in the morning from the Lord, because I know it's my source. So I have a little experiment for us. I have a little challenge for our church. And I don't do this, I don't think I've ever done this, but I just think it's appropriate. Um, we're we're sponsoring as a church a Christmas party, and what I want to do, we, we kind of set a goal of how many um, cards that we needed to actually be ready to sponsor a Christmas party in the Dominican Republic. We're going to go do a mission trip in the Dominican Republic this next year. We went and did like a, um, a we did a mini missions trip to check out and see where we we're going to be, but we picked a place they call it a care point and there's 75 kids at this care point who have nothing, everybody say nothing. They have nothing, nothing. The Greek word, nothing. Okay? And so our church gets the opportunity to live open-handed because that's who we are. So we committed to paying $25 a kid for 75 kids. We've been doing it for the last two weeks. We have 57 kids left to sponsor. And I looked at our staff and I said, no, our church is our church is generous. They're gonna give. So we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that right now. I ain't, I'm gonna I'm not even gonna wait. It's gonna be great. We're gonna make it awkward. Cause you know what I believe? I believe you and your family. I believe there's 57 people in our church this weekend that will sponsor a kid for $25 so that they could have a Christmas party. Like I believe that they could have, that's two Starbucks this week you can't drink. So, I have ushers posted and ready to go. And they got cards. And they're gonna hand out a card. And you can do it easy with a QR code. So we're gonna wait. Raise your hand right now to sponsor a kid for $25. There you go, okay, look at, okay, yeah. Each hand. Yeah, we're going to get rid of it right in one, one service. We're going to give second service a chance. $25. There it is. Look at how many hands are going on. We're just going to be great. we going to do that. I knew. I knew. I knew it. It's going to be great. We're going to sponsor 25 kids. There we go. 57. I'm pretty sure there was like 67 that raised their hand at least. That's good. That's good. And you know what's crazy about God? Is you think they're ble- you're blessing them? You're blessing you. God's gonna bless you. Yeah. Scan that QR code. Yeah. The most joyful life you will ever have is committing to generosity. Committing to generosity. Committing to who being a generous person. I'm gonna live my life open handed. So here's what I want you to do. For those of you who took a card, And for those of you who who are going to sponsor a kid and take care of that, I want you to share with us a story. You can email us a story to hello at risechurchtf.com or put it on our social media. I want you to share. I I do. I want you to share with us a financial blessing that comes your way because of this. And you just gave $25. I just want you to see it. I just want you to see it. I'm I'm putting my money where my mouth is. We're going to find out. We're going to find out this week of where things landed in your life. Or you maybe you just got a little love from somebody out of nowhere. Something's going to happen. God's going to show up in your life. Because I believe the Bible is true. So thank you for being generous. As we wrap up, I want to give you, I gave a little prayer at the end of service last week. And I wanted to read this for you. And I hope this can be a blessing to you. And we'll, we'll email it again just to kind of give you some joy this holiday season. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes in here, we're going to pray. And I want us to say this prayer together. We'll all say this with me. We'll repeat after me. Says, God, you know my current situation. There's nothing you can't do, and nothing you wouldn't do for me. I ask you to help me with the areas I struggle with that keep me from your divine joy. Give me the wisdom to identify the areas I struggle with and the courage to take the steps to change and receive the joy you have for me. Amen.